0: Welcome to our next episode of Uncommon Ground. Hey, guys. (laughs) We have a sign now, thanks (laughs) to our lovely chalk artist, Shanti Markham, who uh, contributed that. So we are very thankful for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am Sam McGregor. I am a pastor at Allison Creek Presbyterian Church in York County, South Carolina. And so I play the role as the institutional pastor (laughs) in our conversation about... uh, Topics which will include biblical stories and also some um, pop culture kinds of things. And so that's my perspective in our conversation that we will have uh, today.
1: And uh, I'm Mike Wright, and I am the skeptic, the non-believer. And I guess I will be challenging everyone's <laughs> beliefs in all this. Um, but I, I mean, it's it's something that I'll be, I will be as as educational about this as possible. So,
2: and I'm Janine, and I'm basically coming from a point of view of um, not being uh, held in and and in put into a box. I like kind of having conversation. Um, I am a believer, but I'm not as far as going re- into religion and doing that. But I do have an open eye for and open mind, I should say, for both sides. So sometimes it may seem like I'm a believer, sometimes it may not, you know, may not, but it's just because I like to question things, and that's kind of how I get to my my decision, so.
0: Okay, well, good. Well, today we're going to explore a biblical story, and that is the story of the Exodus, which is in the, the first... Um, five books of the bible is where that story is focused on but as far as the content of the story it comes out of genesis and exodus which are the first couple of books in the bible and so um the the i'll begin the story with joseph who is the son of jacob he's he's one of 12 and he has conflict with his uh, brothers and so they are jealous of him, and so they scheme how to get rid of him. They actually want to kill him at first, and then they decide, well, let's just sell him off into slavery. And so Joseph gets sold off into slavery, and through a set of circumstances, he ends up in Egypt, where he ends up in, um, in, in jail in Egypt. And then he um, encounters a couple of folks while he's in prison that um tell him they have dreams and they tell joseph about their dreams and joseph is able to interpret their dreams and one of the interpretations is that one of them is going to get killed which does happen but the other one ends up going to work for pharaoh uh who's obviously the king of egypt and so joseph um um so so the person um the prisoner ends up working for pharaoh Pharaoh shares that he's had a dream and doesn't know what it means. And so uh, this cupbearer says to to Pharaoh, well, I know somebody that can interpret your dreams for you. And so Joseph gets called in and he accurately interprets the dream, which is seven years of prosperity for Egypt and then seven years of famine. And so um, Pharaoh listens and and thinks that is something he wants to go with. And so so there is seven years of prosperity. And so Pharaoh has a very high tax system uh, for the people and um, collecting grain through those seven years of prosperity. And then they hit seven years of famine, of drought. And because they've stored up so much grain, uh, people from all over the region end up coming to Pharaoh uh to to buy grain and so pharaoh gets very rich off of this um um off of you know having almost grain and so then uh, joseph's family who had sold him off into slavery previously um, they end up coming to pharaoh to buy grain because they are starving in in israel and they they come joseph ends up getting put in charge of pharaoh's um, Grain distribution, and so when when his brothers and his father come, they don't recognize him at first. But because he's going by an Egyptian name, his appearance has changed. But then they um, they end up recognize him, and there's this point of reconciliation. And so the the family of of Joseph ends up they move to Egypt, and um, Pharaoh gives them everything that they need to be successful. And so then for the next 400 years or so, they live in Egypt and um, they are very prosperous and multiply. And sometimes they're called Israelites, sometimes they're called Hebrews in the Bible. And so about 400 years later, the pharaoh that comes into power sees the Hebrews as the um, as the immigrants that become easy to um, um, target. And so they, um, Pharaoh, um, you know, they say things about the Hebrews or the problems in the country. And so, um, so end up the Hebrews or the Israelites end up being enslaved. And so then um, eventually they cry out to God and Um, and then Moses hears, Moses is called by God to come and lead the people out of slavery where, um, Pharaoh resists. There's, there's 10 plagues, um, including the death of the first child, um, and of the Egyptians. And so there's all this death and destruction. And then, so the the Israelites eventually leave and then Pharaoh, um, um, His heart is changed and they he sends the egyptian army to pursue the israelites and so they end up encountering them at the sea of reeds or the red sea and and god makes a path through the sea and so they are able to make it through but then um (coughs) um, um the egyptians enter into the sea and they get swamped up in the waters and and so the, then the Israelites or the Hebrews begin this 40 year journey through the desert where they complain and um, they don't have enough food, they don't have enough water. And so um, it's this journey of testing between them and God and Moses and a lot of complaining about the leadership of Moses and his brother Aaron. And so that's, that's kind of where I'll stop it, leave it right now. One of the very confusing parts of the story is to me is that God, the, the text says that God is the one who hardens Pharaoh's heart and God is, the, and so, um, you know, Pharaoh is kind of seen as not having a whole lot of choice in the decisions that he's making because the text says God hardens his heart so that he is resistant to the, to the Israelites leaving. And then, um, after they leave, God continues to harden his heart so that, um, so that he sends the army to pursue them. So, um, that's a, that's a challenging part of that story. So, so that's kind of setting up the story. So how do y'all want to interpret that, that? <laughs> <Mike is> so,
1: <laughs> I mean, so you definitely did like a Cliff Notes version of it. I mean, I, I, I read Exodus the other day when you said we were going to be talking about this. So, I mean, I was reading it and luckily I got to about where, where you stopped. So, um, like some, some of my things that are just kind of like, I question it, um, Is one of the things that I was trying to go in my head is like the timelines of all this stuff, and looking at other things, and it seems like I don't know if I don't know how people assumed like the ages of everything like that, because like you you did say when the pharaoh comes into the next pharaoh comes into power, but I didn't read anything about that the pharaoh changed hands like to be a new pharaoh or anything like that so it was always listed as pharaoh right it's always listed as pharaoh but there's no name there's there's no names given yeah um so when moses was found in the reeds and all that stuff and he's living in the pharaoh's family pretty much um that like he grew up and by the time again Unfortunately, Exodus does not give a lot of information. You have to read into Acts mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of others to get more information about Exodus, which I think is one of those like one of those books when you'd read and it says for more if you want to go for, on this adventure, for further information. Go go to go to chapter right. six on page three, mm-hmm. and then you can continue. And like I, I felt like there was lots of stuff left out, and I kind of like I'll get to probably that later, but um, it's like a fill in the blank kind of thing where people just don't know what they're what they're actually reading, but. Come to find out, like, I'm assuming that Moses was around 40 years old when he did kill that Egyptian. Do you...
0: That, uh, with, with I'm going to, I don't know that, but I'm going to assume your research, that, that so, could be accurate. So, to what you're referencing is, um, prior to Moses being called to lead the people, uh, Moses sees a couple of um, Egyptians fighting with each other, and he... Um, ends up killing one of them, right? And actually ends up fleeing. He he becomes a fugitive because the um, uh, pharaoh is after him because of, of killing the Egyptian,
1: right? Um, so with that said, in uh, in, in Acts it says forty years later, okay. When he speaks to um when when he speaks to God as the burning bush, okay. Um, which at that point I feel like he's been out there I feel like he's hallucinating I feel like a lot of that stuff I know when you see fire you will see like the I don't know what the term is but when you see like the the mirage in Mm -hmm. flames and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um so I think that's probably what he was seeing but so he was 80 when he saw the bush so a 40 year time difference has come to pass and then he also speaks to Pharaoh when he's around 80 Okay. Um, so it's in about the same year but as far as like the Pharaoh is concerned, like I don't know how old the Pharaoh is, and you don't know like what kind of changes, but if he's lived in the family for at least forty years before he left, mm-hmm. you would think that he would be trying to change the things internally rather than externally, and you know what do you mean? Like he's in the family, he's right. being taken care of by the pharaoh's daughter. Right. And so so technically he's being raised from by the right. Pharaoh's so family.
0: Because, you know, to go back, you know, F- Moses was, was born. He was one of the Hebrew children. And so his mom hides him because um, um, Pharaoh's trying to kill him. And so they he ends up getting adopted by uh, uh, by Pharaoh's family. He ends up being raised in Pharaoh's um, estate, basically. And, and so... You know, to me, Moses always kind of symbolizes this never quite sure which world he lives in. Right. You know, is he Hebrew? Is he is he Egyptian? I mean, he was raised Egyptian, basically. Right. Um, so. so,
1: but what I mean is, like, he, he learns about God by the teachings of the maidens and all this other stuff, at least from what I was reading. And so he understands, like, the Hebrew side of things, even though it's not how he was raised. And you think that if he has this vision of trying to make sure everything is copacetic amongst everyone that he'd be trying to change the power be to you know make things better for everyone because for that 40 years it was still the same the same slavery the same punishment the same all that kind of stuff for 40 years and then for that 40 years after until he speaks to the pharaoh whether it be a different pharaoh or not that's still another 40 years of the slavery of the so you're punishment saying him
2: talking didn't really change anything. Like, why didn't, he, why didn't, didn't he try to
1: change all the stuff inside and talk to people and be like, maybe we should do this differently instead of just letting these things go. And then all of a sudden rebelling against something that he could have changed before any of this happened. And it's like, I don't feel like if he was, like chosen by God to lead these people and stuff, he should have been chosen by from God to change it before he had to lead these people out
0: change the system yeah hmm. um i I think those are fair questions, you know
1: so it's just I don't know it's just one of those things that's kind of like I think it's troublesome as far as like the calendar. I don't even know if the, it's the same calendar year mm-hmm. because they there was what Moses lived to about a 120 120 yeah so and then there's speak of even people who lived to 600 700 so
2: were their days a lot shorter than ours like or like did they kind of
0: well i i i think it's important that you know we we get so wrapped up in, in our culture mm-hmm. today yeah. of of mm-hmm. numbers yeah. and 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 historical accuracy where in the biblical stories that's not of concern to them Right you know because they you know they're they 're dating things by who 's in power, right you know in the fifth year of king whatever mm-hmm. and and so um, so that that 's not an issue you know
1: well, I think for me it it comes an issue as if you since there 's been so many variations of the Bible and things have been changed so people can read it easier and things like that, and get people 's different interpretations, you think that someone would come up with a system to be like well, even though it was 800 years old, he, he was 800 years old, in today's equivalent, it would be like... Like dog years? Yeah, like dog years <laughs> kind of thing. Like, Why don't
0: you come up with that one? Because
1: <laughs> I, th- I think that's where also... Because where, when you want like facts and something to make have people trust in something, believe in something, you, you don't want it to seem just like a fairy tale of all this just like, oh, they've been alive for 800 years because in today's society you, that you can't fathom that.
2: But it, even in facts today there are still going to be holes where things can't really be explained or there's not actual tangible evidence. So right,
1: right. but when you when you do this that's kind of hard to believe sometimes and this is hard to believe sometimes and this is hard to believe sometimes. When you get it all together it's just it's just too much to to take in.
2: So your problem is that it doesn't flow like like we're thinking in our time, like the time right. the timeline doesn't flow that way. Right. But let's say it it was that their days were shorter. So that, you well, know,
1: not to not to change but much. Does but does that like, change the base of the story? It seems that in the Bible, and I'm I'm gonna just go off in a little tangent for a second. But it seems in the Bible after the flood, people's ages seem to be more realistic. That's correct. In today's that thing. So so why is it that before the flood? it seems that people have an, this almost like superhuman, superhuman ability to mm-hmm. stay alive.
0: Well, again, um, I know it has not much to that do with
1: Exodus, but I'm getting this from the stories and just, it's right. something that I think about.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Y- you know, um, you know, pre-flood kinds of, of, documentation or, or historical accuracy, it's, it's, it's not an issue. It's not something that the Bible is concerned about. And right. so if you're looking for proof by saying, well, 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 this obviously um, doesn't make sense. So then I'm going to disregard it. Um, I, I would challenge, I would challenge you not to get so wrapped up in those numbers. Okay. Um,
2: and that's what I was saying. Like the numbers, does it change the base, of what the basis of what the story was and what the message was, because that's where I'm more interested. I'm more like, what is the purpose? Like, what okay. is the purpose of Exodus? Well, I, I what is the what's the message we're supposed to be learning? And not really getting to all the you know nitty gritty of every okay. single detail. Well,
0: and because I think that that's where <laughs> I think that's where a lot of times where the people where folks get confused about what the Bible is. Mm-hmm. The the Bible is not a his, is not written to be a historical Historic. document. Right. It is written as different people's experience reflecting sharing their testimony Mm -hmm. of their experiences with God. Right. And, and so, you know, I, I don't go to the Bible for, for historic accuracy, um, because the the biblical writers aren't caring about that. Like we do in our Western culture.
1: So, so the point I was going to get to this or get to the thing about the age and stuff, and you brought up about historical documents, We have historical documents of, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago from like Egypt and Mm -hmm. Rome and all these other places during similar times. And we have like good historical, as much as we can, information about that. And why don't we have information from that time that people lived that long or people had these kind of like um, situations that occurred?
0: You talk about the the pre-flood kind of years of people living that long?
1: Like, it's one of those things where it almost, like, makes it seem like someone's just coming up with a story just to give a story where we don't have other historical information that could back it up. And I know what you're saying, they're just sharing their, right. so, their things I mean, with you. It,
0: but again, you know, if you're looking to, you know, if your goal is to disprove it and you say, well, we have no proof that someone lived a thousand years or 800 years or whatever, you're you're going to be successful in that. <laughs> I mean, you are because we
2: can't today in our mind comprehend that someone's living that long. That's because you're always going to have that that issue with most people are going to be like, yeah, no one can live that long because the average age is this. So you're going to people are not going to be able to believe that someone lived or someone was, you know, doing a a lot of things at the age of 120 or or 80 years old because you're thinking about an 80 year old today. You're not thinking about what conditions were like before or, you know, Okay, it's just not going to. Yeah. So I, that's enough thinking. of my age.
1: <laughs> I, um, I have something that actually references with more of God stuff. That's more of just historical documentation and things like that. That just kind of goes in my head. But um, so as far as um, God coming to Moses and Aaron, um, there's a weird thing. Well, there's two weird things that I kind of like got from it. One is that he says that he is the Lord a lot. Mm-hmm. and it almost seems a little conceited that he has to tell everyone that he is the Lord and that there's no other gods and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And I know that Egyptians believed in many different gods and, and so forth. But the thing that's interesting is that when he gave them for, when they asked for proof that he was God, that they told him to throw their staff down and it would turn into a serpent. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they went back to the Pharaoh and did all that stuff, he had his Egyptian magicians do the same thing as well. And they were able to perform very similar castings or whatever they want to call it that they were providing that God was giving Aaron the power to do those kind of things. Or I guess Moses and Aaron the power to do those things um, because they also did like the fish, like, you know, um, doing the the destroy of the fish in the, in the river, or the, the lakes or whatever was around them things like that. And then they would also do it. And I know that they were, there were speak that they could not equivalent to God's power, but does that, doesn't that make you wonder that there was something else that gave the magicians their power? Why did they have this supernatural uh, power to also do the same things that God had given Moses and Aaron to do? And was there another God that had given them their power or was this power always given? And that means it's, if they all have this supernatural power, what makes God more powerful than them?
0: So, you know, one of the ways to kind of understand what was going on in the in the culture and and I and I think we see it in, in other places too, it's it, it is like it's a competition. Right. And so when you when you reference the, the Lord, um, you know, the, the the Hebrew word is, is Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Um, and and which you know at the at the, um you know when moses is, is called out at the burning bush and he says you know what name <clears throat> do i do i tell people is is doing this and and the the name is yahweh which means i am who i am or i will be who i will be it's a it's a very confusing kind of of of, of word and in fact <clears throat> when the jewish people they they would not speak the word um, actually, in, in, um, in, in Jewish people today still, you know, a lot of Jewish um, parts of the, of the religion will not speak the, the word of Yahweh. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is like that there was this competition going on and Yahweh had to prove um, I am the God of, of all these gods you can choose to follow. I am the one that, that you should seek to follow. And, and so, you know, you're talking about those kinds of, of competitions, like with, you know, turning staffs into snakes and those kinds of things. You know, those are the kinds of competitions that, that I think it's very easy for uh, magicians and, you know, to, to, to kind of be on the same playing field. But where Yahweh steps above that and shows uh, a a greater ability than anything else out there is, I think, in looking at this journey through the Exodus, you know, hey, I'm one that can get you out of slavery and and guide you to a new land. And it's also a sense that Yahweh is a God of of tremendous grace and love and, and justice and and that is not the, the same as what you're getting from these competing gods in in the culture.
2: So, when you say they're, they're gods, are we like they actual gods? Because
1: like I guess does that mean that there's actual proof somewhere in the Bible that there's many gods, and you're only one? Because I other Christians will definitely tell me there's only one God. Yeah. There's only one true God, mm-hmm. and that is God. And and but when you say
2: one true God, does that mean that there are well, like false gods? That means because if you people go by, believe by that in like a
1: false prophet that's not a god at all. They just say they're a god, but they're but not. they don't
2: have like the the power or the the ability like God, is right? But
1: these magicians in Exodus they had the same they had similar power. They could but actually, what
2: are magicians usually? They're they're well they called they called them, they and, called them you know, magicians, but they yeah. also
1: called them a sorcerer also in in Exodus mm-hmm. they called them sorcerers and magicians. Um. So,
0: well, would would you would you agree with the fact that today in our culture, we have many gods?
1: I believe that people believe in different gods. That doesn't mean that I, I feel that there are many gods. I feel that people have beliefs. So in different what's, what's,
2: what's going to be what would be based on the definition of God? Right. On, so to what, me, yeah.
0: to me, you know, the 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 gods that are out there that are competing mm-hmm. against the. Yahweh God is the god of materialism. Mm-hmm. Um, the the god of of um,
2: I mean there's a lot of false gods you have I mean, there's, celebrities there's You're all sorts of that, false yeah. gods
0: and and so you know where do those come from mm-hmm. that's a that's a big question that doesn't have an answer to but I think that what we can affirm is that Is that we are all being challenged by by forces that are trying to pull us in different directions Mm -hmm. where those come from that's a question i don't have an answer to but i i affirm that those forces are there and they are trying to to pull us into into dark places and places that um, are not good for us and so when i am choosing to follow Yahweh God I am choosing to follow the God of, of, of creation the God who leads me to a to a better place of who who I'm created to be okay um, so
2: so just to bring it back the, the the story of Exodus what would you say the message what would be the the like that the purpose the message that's kind of where I kind of want to understand Like, all the the stories and all that, what was the, what's the lesson you're supposed to learn, you know, from it?
0: You want to offer, what, what, what do you think, Janine?
2: I feel like it was kind of everywhere. I felt like, and you even said that there were, um, like you were saying about the, you know, all this stuff was happening, but there was no kind of way of trying to stop it. So, I don't really understand what the message in that is. And also, you were saying that God was kind of pulling, wasn't really letting uh, people take, make their own decisions. So, are you, are you really learning anything if you're not really in, in control of the decision that you're making? Someone's making a decision for you. That's kind of, I didn't,
1: you that, no you, longer have free will.
2: Yeah. That's kind of, yeah. And that's kind of how I took it. Well,
0: like, well, I, I mean, that's a, a challenging part of that text that, that I don't understand, Yeah, you know, because, because I, I think, you know, the, the biblical story has, I mean, I think human free will is very much a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the text says is that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and I can't explain that away. I just have to leave that there, mm-hmm. um, and, and then we have to deal with that. Um, I, I don't have a good answer for that, except to to say... How does it speak that, to you, though? Well, yeah. to, to me, it's a... a whatever um, made Pharaoh um, to be resistant to... Uh, allowing the the freedom of of the israelites to happen um i mean that that's a that's a human thing that none of us wants to if you if we're in power and control we don't want to give that up mm-hmm. and and particularly if we have achieved that in um in unhealthy or destructive ways we don't want to give that up I mean, that's what dictators do. They don't, no one gives up their yeah. power and control. Um, and so, you know, the way I, I guess I, I do kind of explain it to myself is that the biblical writers, you know, feel like God is, is in control of everything, which God is. Um, but, you know, and ultimately, you know, God is moving the world in a, in a, in a certain direction, Um but within that, we do have human will about mm-hmm. whether we're going to choose to be a part of that path or whether we're, we're going to fight against that path. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so I think your original question was, what what is the what is the Exodus story? What does it mean to mm-hmm. me? Um, so I think that's a, a good, that's question good question for, for everybody yeah. to, to kind of mm-hmm. leave with. and yeah, to say, definitely. You know, this story of, of liberation, what does that mean to you? How does that speak to you? individually how does that speak to you um in your family and, mm-hmm. and how do you think that that speaks to our nation mm-hmm. um and all nations of love a god who um, carries out this liberation for this oppressed group of people
2: I, definitely i think it's a good point yeah.
1: yeah i think so
0: okay all right <laughs> so well
1: we just got to figure out what we're going to talk about next. Do you know what you want to uh, talk about? Do you yeah. want to continue Exodus or do you want to?
0: You want to just continue Exodus? We can. We can. Okay. Yep. Let's do I it. have Definitely. more stuff to talk about. Okay. Well.
1: Oh, it may come back to some of the parts of this part of Exodus, but we okay. I have more stuff to talk about. But okay.
2: no, no more about the age stuff.
1: I just had to bring it up because <laughs> I had to bring it up and it, it just, it bothered me. So. It's dog ears.
0: Okay. okay. Yeah. okay. But yeah. Okay. Anyways, I'll, I'll do a little more research on that, and then when we come back, you know.
1: So, um, so what do you guys think about the Exodus story of so far, if you've read it? Um, definitely read it if you haven't read it, so you can get a little more information. Um, and again, I have read it, so I know the type of battle that I'm going to be in. Um, With me? Yeah.
0: Oh, man. Hey, we're not supposed to be battling, Mike. We're supposed to be... Understanding,
1: <laughs> but um, but no, I, I Jean, definitely Janine is our little
0: moderator. Yes, That's right. yes. I'm right. like, okay, let me our, bring back our to peaceful, bring- you know.
1: <laughs> so I mean, it's it's definitely something that I think people, if they want to learn more and actually have a good conversation with other people about those situations, even if you believe or not believe, I think you need to have the right yeah. kind of um, knowledge on the subject before you try to state your case. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: very very good.
1: But um, but yeah, guys. So we'll okay.
2: definitely see you guys in the next one. Yep. And we appreciate you know you guys for watching. Make sure to subscribe, and also um, watch Pastor Sam's sermons as well. That's you know on the channel as well, and you know that can ke- kind of give you a little insight to what we may be talking about here on the podcast. So right. yeah,
0: Thanks a lot. Thank Thanks, you. Mike. Thanks for Bye bye. Have <laughs> a great one. See you Have later. A great bye bye. <laughs>